Welcome to the Pro-Life Team Podcast. I'm Jacob Barr, and I'm here with Denise. And in this podcast, she's going to share her story of going from being feeling like she was forced or having no choice, maybe considered pro-choice, but really feeling like she had no choice uh, when it came to abortion, to her journey of being pro-life and and inviting others towards this road towards healing and hope. and really ultimately towards Jesus. So Denise, I'm excited to have you on the Pro-Life Team podcast. Um, And today we have the, you're the first interview in this new series. I'm hoping that we're going to have a long set of these uh, discussions of people who have gone from pro-choice to pro-life. So um, yeah, would you... Uh, briefly introduce yourself and then share. Yeah, let's share. I like you to share your story. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jacob, for having me here. So um, my name is Denise Venturini South, and uh, I'm living currently in New Jersey. And um, yes, I have uh, gone from pro-choice to pro-life, although my journey started a very long time ago. it has taken it has taken me many years uh, and through many trials and tribulations to come to a place where I am able to share the journey with others. Um, so I'm I'm happy to be here and and hope to to share that. Yeah. Yeah. So so tell us um, where would you like to start? Would you like to start um, in the middle, like in the transition, or would you like to start? Um, in the beginning, when or you know when you were pro-choice, and or what triggered you to start the transition? I guess maybe that's a good question. Of you know what caused you to start looking at yeah this transition starting. Um, I have to be honest with you. I never really considered myself pro-choice. My abortions were. Um, forced, I would say. I was coerced into having an abortion, um, but I also willingly did it. No one tied me down. So that's why I, I feel I can I can say at one point I was pro-choice because I did allow myself to go through the experience. Um, although I didn't want to, I, I wanted to have my children. Um, to answer your question, what was the pivotal point. Um, It was just me saying no. It was just my desire to have my child, to see my child, you know, born uh, and saying no to whatever pressure, whatever circumstances I was going through, not to let the pressure of that determine the outcome of my pregnancy. Hmm. So how would you describe your position of being, you know, maybe not for abortion, but being okay using it when you were cornered or feeling like you had no other choice? How would you describe that that space? Very uninformed. (laughs) Very uninformed. Yeah, looking back, looking back at my experiences, and, and I had three abortions, uh, looking back at my experiences, I was not informed of the process from the time of the initial consultation to the intake to the treatment room itself. I, I, I was not informed of, of that. Either was I informed of the emotional and um, the emotional trauma that I would experience from the abortion. I, I had no idea uh, about that. So, um, and unfortunately, I, I believe most women um, will end up in that position one day. The physical part of, of the abortion, I think everyone can pretty much kind of assume what it will be like uh, for the most part. Although there are certain aspects of the abortion that until you're experiencing it, you really have no idea what it's going to do to you. Like the sound of the fetus going through the tube, 
like the sound of hearing the heartbeat one second and not the next and realizing that that was a living person, a living, yeah, uh, and not being able to do anything to stop it. But the emotional trauma is is um, is an area that I, I believe most women today do not think about until they're there. And it, you can never go back. It's, it's like trying to collect water that's been poured out on sand. You can never get it back. And, um, you know, that, those feelings of regret, uh, if not dealt with properly, can really cause some, um, some damage. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm, th- I'm thinking at this point, we probably should pause for a moment and pray. And if you would, if you would be the, do the honor of praying for us to, you know, ask the right questions and have the right mm-hmm. you know, way to summarize and describe this, this experience. And then also, if we could weave in a Bible verse that, you know, really speaks to you, I think that would just be, mm-hmm. a, this would be, um, so would you lead us in prayer? Yes. Um, I, I would like to go get something. Can I just, can you press pause? Oh. Was that right? I can, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, go ahead and go. <laughs> I can okay. edit edit it out, or I'll leave it in and just let people feel awkward for us. <laughs> I wanted to get my book because I I do have my book. Okay. And I'm not using this as a platform to promote the book, but I just would like people to know that I've I've written a book about my experiences. And if they would like to read it, they can. But this is what I I have experienced in my life. And uh, it's a journey that I've shared with you before on a different platform. Um, But it's very, very important to me that this message gets out because I believe... And it was called... Many people will just listen. Yeah. The book is called Restored to His Glory. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Is there a passage in there that you're looking for? Uh, there's there's a scripture verse, but I, I will pray. I will pray first. And then, okay. Um, okay. And then I will go to the scripture verse. So, okay. Father God, we just thank you for allowing us to be... Um, to be a part of this today and to share this very important message. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the words, the right words, the words that you want us to say, that you want us to share. And I pray, God, that you would prepare the hearts of those that would hear this message today or any day in the future, Lord, and in anywhere in the world that you would prepare their hearts, that you would do whatever work is needed in their heart, that you would remove the veil from their eyes, and that you would help them to see that this is a living human being that you created from before the foundation of the world, and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you weaved us together in our mother's womb. Lord, I pray that the truth of abortion would be told. And I thank you, God, for allowing me, through my journey and my experiences, to be a part of this work. May you be glorified, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, so there's a verse of scripture uh, in in Ephesians that I, I have in the book, and the verse of scripture is that we can, that we, if I would have known this scripture, I may have uh, thought twice about having, uh, having the abortion. And um, the scripture is that is that God is more than capable to do above and beyond all that we can ask and think. 
he is a he is able to do above and beyond all that we can ask and think. So when we are in a situation where we feel out of control, where we feel overwhelmed with the world, its pressures, even if it's not the world, if it's a family member, if it's a friend, if it's a partner, a husband, a wife, a friend, if we just turn to God for one second and to trust that he is more than able to do exceedingly above all that we can think and ask. Just for that one second, we might be encouraged. We might be strengthened. We might be given, given the opportunity to make a different choice. I have to get my phone charger. Give me a second. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, that's good. It's good to, to have your phone my... plugged in. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I was expecting to use my computer, but... It didn't work. So that my makes computer sense. charged, but my phone isn't. So let me just no, that's plug fine. And I will be right with what, you. Yeah, one of yep. one of the values at my church, which I completely adopt, is the value of authenticity. And so mm-hmm. you know. Yes. When, when, a, very, when a podcast very, has a very an awkward because we are living in a world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're living in a world of facade. Everybody <laughs> tries to be perfect and we're not. Like, yeah, you know, we make the most valuable and, and we yeah, the most valuable coins are those with uh, problems or mistakes. Those are the those are the valuable ones. Everything, you know, if it's perfect, yes. that just means it's normal. <laughs> so and I I deliberately chose this uh, cover. Oh, your phone's up. You your phone's the... upside down. We have to flip Sorry, it over. Sir. No, that's OK. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I deliberately <laughs> chose This cover, uh, if you can see the pot is, you know, cracked. Yes. And filled in with gold because that's exactly ah. what happens when we give it when we give our brokenness to God, He fills it in and He makes it so much better. So yeah, awesome. That makes sense. Yeah. So, what else would you like to say about your story, or what would you like to talk about um, when it comes to? Do you want to talk about where you are today? Do you want to talk about? Well, maybe me back up a step. One of the things I'd like to accomplish with these stories would be to provide people who hear them a path to follow. So if you're talking, you know, with someone who hears this, who may be feeling like they're trapped and not necessarily pro-choice, but willing to use it because they feel like they have no other choice. What would you like yeah. to say to that person? There is a choice. There is there's there is a choice. And the choice, the choice is turning to God. Yes, the, the choice is turning to God. But what I would like to do is I would like to speak truth about the abortion process. Because <clears throat> um I have gone over that process probably ten thousand times in my mind. And I think if I had known it once. Before I would have never done the abortion, I would have, I would have never gone through with it if I knew what I what I have gone over in my mind, and I think it's important for women and men who have experienced abortion or who are abortion minded to hear the truth about what happens when you have an abortion, when you separate from your body a living being. And then when you do it willingly, when you do it casually, as some women do, uh, it, it's, it's not how we were designed. We were not designed to do this. We were designed as women to bear children. That's why we were born with a womb. And that womb is supposed to be a safe place a place where the baby can grow until it's mature and then be born. It's not a place that was designed to corner a living human being to be extracted, to be vacuumed, to be medically or surgically removed before it's time. That is not what the womb was created for. Just like our fingers and toes and ears 
they were all created with a specific purpose. We don't, we don't make our ears be our feet and we don't make our fingers be our ears. We don't change that. But for some reason, society has changed the use of the womb and, and has actually violated the sanctity of the womb by now using it as a place where you can corner and capture the baby and remove it. And I think that that's just a concept that people don't think of. Uh, and also, when our, as women, our bodies, we have hormones. We, have, uh, we are medically different and physiologically different than men. And we have hormones. And these hormones were, were created specifically for us because we are women. And when we become pregnant, we have special hormones that are created because of the pregnancy. And these hormones tell us, you're a mother now. That's why if we hear a baby cry, our breasts will maybe react in a certain way. Uh, our heart may be more tender when we see an image of a baby because now we are mothers. Regardless of that, if that baby is born or not, we are still mothers. We are still mothers. I counseled a young woman. She came to the, she was a young girl. I won't even, she, she was a girl. She was just barely 18. And she said, I, I'm not ready to be a mother. That's why I want to have this abortion. I'm not ready to be a mother. And I said, you'll always be a mother. <laughs> I said, the difference is, only your child will not be alive, but you'll still be a mother. Just like a mother is still a mother of a child that was miscarried, or if there was a child that died in uterus for an illness or, or an accident, you're still a mother. It doesn't change. And I think these are the truths that women need to hear. And if they hear it from a woman who has experienced abortion, who has experienced going through this, I, I think it's more genuine than just hearing it from someone who's reading the information out of a book, out of a textbook. Yeah. So, wow. So what, what was, what was the motivation? What was the motivating was it shame or what was the motivation that pushed you to feel like you had no choice? And what would you want to say um, in response to that at, the, at this time? My motivation to have the abortion? Yeah. At the, my husband at the time did not want me to have, well, my, no, my first abortion, it was actually my mother. My mother forced me to have the abortion. She did not want me to have the child uh, with, with the father that I was She insisted. She made the appointment. She insisted that I have the abortion. Yeah. So, and yeah, although so my relationship was not good with my mother, I, I, I did what she asked me to do. I think the... Um... There's a legal group called um, the Justice Foundation, and I, I don't know when they started, but they have written um, legal letters saying to, like, I believe a parent, you know, you don't have, you know, it's it's illegal to coerce your child into having an abortion. And, of course, many mm -hmm. young people wouldn't know that that exists, but that's one thing that's been created. Correct. Um, yeah, the the justice into suit with um, Alan Parker. I think that's what, so that's Let something that, that, yeah, to mention that, yeah, the justice foundation, they have, um, they might have a certain ministry, but they have essentially several legal letters. One's meant for the boyfriend. One's meant for probably the husband. One's probably meant for the parent. and these different situations, essentially telling, each of those people with a legal letter that you don't have the right to coerce um, this young woman 
into having an abortion. I would love to and, be able to put their link on my website. Yeah, link, the justicefoundation.org. Um, okay. I'm not sure where the letters are because he's got several ministries, but they're somehow tied to Alan okay. Parker and the Justice Foundation's his main I'll... organization. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. I can reach out, sure, and yes. see if I can get get the link into my website because I I never had any I never had any uh, guidance. As a matter of fact, it was it was like a three ring circus, literally in the emergency room, uh, which I was brought into the emergency room for abdominal pain from a hernia that I had. And it was the doctor, it was the nurse, and it was my mother. All three of them were just, you have got to have the abortion. You can't have this baby, it, whatever, whatever. And I wasn't, mm. I was a healthy person. Uh, but it was, a, it was a three ring circus. And before I knew it, I was, I was, I was in the, uh, the clinic in Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. So I just found it on and the I website. Went by myself. It's, <laughs> it's called CAFA, yeah. which is, it stands for Center Against Forced Abortions. And okay. Yes. And essentially I'll read a little bit from their website. Women who are, who first learn or suspect they are pregnant may feel pressured to an abortion, including from the parent, the baby's father, school counselor, employer, etc. This is illegal. And then it goes on to talk more about this. And then they also they have a letter to the student. They have a letter to the parent, the father. They have a letter for the police or government official. Essentially, they identify different people who may be saying you must get an abortion. They even have a letter that can be sent, I believe, to the abortion clinic if they're trying to pressure someone into it. Um, mm -hmm. But all that to say is this: and if you ever, if someone ever needs a, a letter for a new situation, um, mm -hmm. Alan Parker is amazing, kind, and generous, and that's what they're they are built to help provide the letters that are needed to help provide that's someone true. with that legal protection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. I will try to get that link on my website because I I've been I've been corresponding with women through the website. Uh, so yep. So the other the other abortions I had were with um, were with my second husband, and uh, I he I I was thrilled when when I learned I was pregnant. I was thrilled. And I went to him and I said, you know, I am pregnant and we're going to have this baby. And he went off the wall. He just was so angry and he was rude. And he, I don't want this. I, I don't want to have a baby. Uh, he had a daughter uh, already from another marriage that he was not in contact with and uh, he just, you know, went on and on about that. And he said, I, he, I'm not having this baby. He says, I'm going to leave. I'm going to get out of here if you're going to have this baby. And, and he didn't even say that. He just says, I'm going to get out of here. And he said, you just need to go have an abortion. And I was just, again, I was just devastated. I never expected that reaction. Um, and so Another very important uh, element of knowledge for women that are in a position where they're, they may choose abortion is to know that they're supported in their decision for life. Mm -hmm. Supported. Supported emotionally, supported financially, supported, you know, in in every they need to know that there is a way to complete the pregnancy even if even if the birth were to lead to adoption or or other ways but their their support is needed and um i i'm also the director for an organization here in new jersey called cape hope and we provide services for all people that are experiencing homelessness and we have a we developed a program specifically for homeless pregnant women and our hope is to give them the opportunity to choose life many of them are pro choice but they are pro choice because there is no support they have no support 
They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. And every door that's opened is you. Well, I don't want to say every door. There are there are two other agencies that provide assistance for homeless pregnant women's, but but it's it's difficult for them to navigate those. But every other opportunity is pro-choice. So there are no other support systems. And they just feel, well, th- th- there's, no, there's no hope for me. What am I going to do? Just have the baby and walk away? And they, they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. So that's where we, the church, need to come up alongside of them and provide these support services, programs for these women. And I want to say their, their baby's father, uh, because many times they too will encourage the abortion because they don't know the way out. They don't know the path. So it's there, take it, and let's move on. But my next point is you don't move on. You never move on. Because as I said, we were created by God to be mothers. We were created, designed that way. And although we may be able to forget mentally, we will never forget physiologically that we are mothers. Spiritually, we, we are always mothers. And that will always be with us. And then when we come to that realization, uh, that we did what we did, it will be, it may be very difficult for you to move on from it. Unfortunately, I've spoken to, you know, several women that wanted to commit suicide. I myself was at a point one time where I was so distraught that I felt there was no other way. Uh, and, and then some, but yeah, it, it, it's just um, sooner or later, you will, you will understand what you've done. You will come to that place of understanding. Whether you're 70 years old or 17 years old, you will come to that place to understand what really happened and what you did. Hmm. One, one of the other things that this gentleman, Alan Parker, was a, was a part of is called the safe haven. And essentially, so in some, so if, if a, if a homeless woman has a, a child, a, you know, an infant, um, one option that mm-hmm. she has is to go to a fire station. Uh, I think most fire stations are safe haven um, locations and she can essentially, um, you know, release the, release her child to a firehouse or to a safe haven drop-off mm-hmm. area, and the state will go and provide, okay. you know, help with the um, the adoption or the foster services that are needed um, by you know working oh. to find a family. And so that's something that, and it's okay. interesting that it's all it's in all fifty states, but it's not very well known. And so safe haven is really I've never heard of it's it. It's like yeah, yeah, and it's that's why I wanted to share that. Um, so thank you. Yeah. So essentially, yeah. So if someone isn't in a position to go through an adoption um, experience, mm-hmm. safe haven is as easy as taking your newborn to a firehouse and letting them releasing it to the firehouse through a safe haven or calling it, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a, it's a life-giving loving option when someone is at, you know, when they're not capable of continuing. Right. Um, Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So, so another area what else would you like? Yeah. Yeah. Is is for women to know that once they come to the knowledge um, of of what has happened to them and to the baby, um, there are resources there to help, and it's important for. Uh, women to get connected to these resources as soon as possible. And, um, you know, I I try um, to connect women to resources, not only my own resources that I I provide or resources that I am affiliated with, but other resources that I am aware of. So what I would really, you know, love to see more of is, um, you know, internet, uh, accessibility for women to 
to get these resources. Um, I know not everyone, especially in rural areas or uh, you know low socioeconomic areas, the internet access may not always be available. So um, you know maybe having it in a hospital, maybe having a directory in a hospital, or having uh, like a special computer in a setting like that where women can go on go on the computer in privacy and look at all of the resources that are available to them um, and also to have more ultrasound machines uh, sent to different locations so women can hear the baby's heartbeat and know that this is a living human being that's good that's really good um and I know that many many pregnancy clinics are looking for ways to support women after they've you know have had the child. There's maternity homes where people can, if they need a place to stay, mm -hmm. maybe they're in that on the edge of being homeless or they are homeless. Maternity homes are a place right. for someone to go before they had the yes. child and to provide you know and get care and help, and then maybe even mm -hmm. be able to stay for some amount of time after. And I know many pregnancy clinics have parenting classes or different opportunities to to learn life skills. I was talking with someone this last week and she had an interest in creating a culinary arts um, class for moms who to help them cook on a budget and make it taste delicious. Right. That was her her vision. Yeah. And so I was like, that's a great idea. I wish I wish it is. we I guess I, I, I encourage your go forward and tell others to mm -hmm. do the same because that's a really cool yeah. idea. Mm -hmm. um, it is. So really, and I guess the motivation there would be, you know, for those who are listening, you know, if there's something that you think would, you know, if you had the equivalent of the culinary arts education opportunity to help a young mom learn that, I mean, how how awesome it would it be to have your passion brought in a, in a way that you could help people um, mm -hmm. in, the, you know, in, in the way that you you have skills and knowledge and something that can be that can be shared. So that's, that would be my encouragement is to be creative with what you have. And because yes. personally, I may not have the culinary arts, but I might be able to bring something else to the table. And, and so sure. and I do enjoy people that do have the culinary arts. That's, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's nice to see what people know how to make things taste delicious. <laughs> yeah, for so, sure. For um, sure. So, yeah. So Denise, what else should I ask you or what else would you like to talk about on on your story, uh, mm. maybe would you like to talk about how you've seen God's fingerprints in this story or how you have mm. experienced maybe healing or recovery perhaps? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So um, for, for a long time, I, I, I never, for over 20 years, 25 years probably, I never spoke about my abortion, never to anyone um, and it was never spoken about. And um, it was, it was um, at a time when I, I, I was actually in church and I was um, <clears throat> visiting a friend upstate New York and I was listening to the pastor, but God was interrupting. <laughs> And he was bringing me to uh, the story in Genesis where he's asking Isaac, he's asking Abraham to offer Isaac. Not asking, he's telling him what to do. Yeah. And um, I immediately sensed that God was calling me to do something. He said to me, I have, I have a place that I want to bring you, but you can't bring that with you. You cannot bring that with you. You cannot bring your past with you. Now, not only was God talking about the abortions, but he I'm also a victim of, of uh, sexual uh, abuse as a child. So all, And all of that I never spoke about to anyone. So he's telling me all of this, I, you can't take it with you. And I immediately closed my Bible and I walked out the church and I said, no, I'm not going to do it. Because you want me to do this, I have to tell my children. I would have to tell my children. And that those they were the first ones uh, that I thought about. I didn't think about my reputation. I didn't think about my, my 
employer. I, I didn't think about my family members. I thought about my children, that I would not give them any more pain than what they were already experiencing in their lives. Being a single parent, having to raise them alone was very difficult, not only for me, but for them. And, um, and then again, God spoke to me and said, do you think if your children are hurt, do you think that I'm not able to heal them? And I just, I, I had to stop and say, no, you can't heal them. And I, I, I realized that this was something that I needed to do. But it took me two years to get the strength, emotional strength, to do this. Uh, God gave me a, a good friend uh, that was helping me along the journey. Little by little, we peeled down the onion. We peeled back the onion, and, and we were able to come to a place where I could organize my thoughts and I could organize uh, a way to communicate those truths to my children. And I chose, um, I chose a place that we were all very comfortable with. And I, I told my children everything. And, and I explained to them why I was telling them this. Um, and, and I said, I don't know what God has for me, but I, I do know that this is what he wants me to do, but I want you to be the first to know. And they embraced me. They loved me. They, they supported me. Uh, they were more concerned, you know, as to the pain and the damage that was done from keeping it in all those years than they were from me, you know, verbalizing it and, and, and telling them. Uh, so, um, my, my one daughter actually has a, uh, has a response in the book and she, she talks about, um, now reflecting on her past as a child, she remembers certain times where she would question why is mommy so sad or why is mommy being so distant or so cold and now she can understand the emotional disconnect because mom was protecting herself mom was mom was protecting the pain that she had hidden for so long um and i i remember you know after talking with my children um I used to hang up a pink and blue ribbon on the Christmas tree every year, but I would do it when the kids went to sleep. And I would just use that time as a, as a time, you know, to say, I, I remember you and I love you all very much. And uh, so the first Christmas that after I told them, we were able to hang up the ribbon together. And that was beautiful. That was a beautiful time. Um, yeah. It, when you reflect so on, really led me to, yeah, go ahead. So when you reflect on your, well, where you are today, are you able, how, mm -hmm. how are you able to serve out of your brokenness? When, like, when it comes to that picture on the front of your book with the cracked pot yeah. and the filling of gold, how, how do you relate to that, you know, experience of being broken, but yet being used uh, as a vessel? Well, Jacob, all I, it's one word. It's called, it's truth. I can impart truth. Truth about the situation, truth about the experience, truth about the procedure, truth about the damage it does. Truth. It's truth. It's being able, because I've been there and I've been, I can explain, I can, I can just share the truth about it. And I think, you know, how that truth is received, no one could know. No one can know. That's up to the person on the other end of that truth. But I can, I can give them the truth. And I, you know, I pray. That's why this meeting between you and I right now is really an answer to my prayers, because I've been looking for various platforms not to promote my book. This is God's story in my life. Uh, you know, this is, he should be getting all the glory that he's got me to where I am today. Um, you know, in this book, I show him off how he's taken me from that place to where I am today. But it's to say that I've been there 
And I have this message that I want to share with you so that you have all the information that, that I have to give you. Maybe it's not all the information there is, but it's all the information that I have that I'd like to share. So, yeah, it's just imparting truth, I think. Yeah, and I think these stories are are valuable because God gets the glory. I mean, the reason why Amen. a person a person has value is because they're an image bearer of God. And these stories yes. have value because they reflect where God is in someone's journey and story. And yes. I I'd like for, I know I often say this verse, but at the same time it's one of my favorites and so I don't mind using it or saying it one more time. So James 5:16 uh, confessing your sins one to another so you may be healed and the prayers of a righteous person availeth much. How does, how is mm -hmm. that, how, how have you experienced that in your healing process, confessing and, and asking for prayer from a righteous person? Yeah. Uh, so the healing process is slow. It, it is. And, and I think that's also important for women and men. I say that I say men, I include men because I've met a lot of men who have had abortions and they are just as broken, if not more than other than women. Um, <clears throat> it's different and it's slow. Um, it, it's not it's not a quick fix. Um, it can take a lifetime to heal, but I know that I am better today than I was yesterday. And I know that uh, each time that I take a step forward, uh, I, I'm strengthened, I'm encouraged um, by the truth that's in the word that God is able to restore us, to heal us, and to use us if we let him. So again, it's it's coming to that place of allowing God to use your experiences, uh, and that helps me to heal when I share my story, when I share the truth about the abortions uh, and, and what happens and what it does with other men and women. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced like maybe a pastor at your church or um, maybe an elder or someone that you trust or... Yeah, what has that mm -hmm. been like? If when they, if you ask for prayer from people who you think would be, you know, so, someone who would be considered someone who speaks to God regularly or, or prays often. Yeah, uh, so I have spoken to several pastors, uh, and I uh, I've been encouraged by some, and others um, others I have left them kind of bewildered. Um, and I say this tenderly because I don't want to pass judgment or, uh, but I think I, I'm not sure if the church is ready uh, to embrace this healing process. What's a, um, yeah, how would you describe a, there are many a pastor? Or, oh, how would you describe a pastor or a leader who, who mm -hmm. provided a, a helpful atmosphere when it came to that prayer? Yeah. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I've uh, spoken to my pastor uh, about it. I actually gave him my book and I, I gave it to him because I wanted him to know that this is what I'm doing. Uh, this is, this is a, a, a ministry that I am embracing and I'm praying that God will open up many doors of opportunity for me to share, but I wanted him to know um, before he heard it from someone else and he read the book and he 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 was confident that the lord was going to use this and uh me on this journey to help other men and women uh you know through this yeah mm -hmm. he was very encouraging have you ever had like a small group of people who would you you know you come together and maybe share things and get prayer from a, you know maybe just a few women or a few people have you ever had an experience like that? I, meet, I do. I meet online with other women. Uh, they 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 reach out to me through the Disgrace Undone website, and we we have uh, sessions online where we talk. Um, I mostly listen, and they talk. And um, I also meet uh, with a um, a women's uh, 
I don't want to say crisis pregnancy, but um, a women's center in Philadelphia. I meet with them in person once a month, and then we do Zoom meetings throughout the month uh, to share uh, with either abortion, uh, abortion-minded women or post-abortive women, uh, just just to try to help them. So yes, I've been active so, in that as well. So with this being a long journey towards healing, what have you seen as being helpful towards you know going down this you know you know long road? How, what 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 have you you know? How, how would you describe what's been helpful? along, you know, trying to find more healing? Um, I, I just recently um, said this, this one uh, com- comment again, is that um, if, if we hold on to the dark areas in our life, then they own us. But once we expose them to the light, then we own them. And that's very important. That's, that's, uh, that's the moment where we begin to take authority over the enemy. So you mentioned something earlier. Um, I, I forgot what it was. I didn't want to interrupt you. But uh, the enemy gives us the impression that the baby inside of our womb is not a human being. Uh, and as you said before, what you said was we are, the, we are created in God's image. And Satan doesn't like that. So if he can get that out of the way, then that's one, lem- that's one less God image bearer that he has to deal with or that he wants to deal with. And his aim, we know, is to kill and to maim and to destroy. So we shouldn't be surprised that his aim is to do that in the womb. And when he can confuse in a woman's mind the fact that this is a living human being as versus a, a group of cells or whatever, uh, then then he he um, he wins the battle uh so that's why it's so important that we who have this knowledge experience compassion empathy that we speak up that we share this and uh yeah so i want to i want to actually read a few verses before the verse 16 so verse 13 mm-hmm. so james 5:13 says is anyone among you in trouble let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let mm-hmm. them sing songs of praise. And then verse 14, mm-hmm. is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And then verse 15, and prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And then verse 16 that we're more, I'm, I'm very familiar with. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I'm curious if you've tried um, not just calling your elders or, or, yeah, the elders of your church to pray, but have you, have you ever had them anoint you with oil? Have you ever had that experience yet? Yes, I've been anointed with oil. Uh, in in my first uh, experience with talking about my abortion, wasn't in a church. I was actually uh, in a retreat setting, and uh, through the retreat setting, I uh, there I was anointed with oil, and I I was prayed over, and um, I was actually introduced to the. Um, to the scripture that says confess your sin so believe it or not there are a lot of women in the church and outside of the church who do not recognize abortion as sin Hmm. they don't recognize it as sin they recognize it as choice not as sin um so without getting 
without going down that rabbit trail, um, you know, bringing to light the fact that it is a sin and they need to recognize that and acknowledge it and be accountable for it and then come before God and confess that sin so that the healing process can begin. So that's where I start when I'm with women and I'm talking with women and sharing biblical guidance with women. I'm always, I'm always, um, careful to bring this up early on in the in the conversation because the sooner we can get that egg cracked the sooner we can get the light in and then the sooner the healing can begin we don't want to start at the back end we want to start from the beginning and and the beginning is repentance you know the bible says confess your sins repent and you will be forgiven right yeah 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 well, what are your final thoughts that you would like to share? Uh, maybe, so the audience of this podcast would include executive directors of pregnancy clinics, leadership teams, um, many of which mm-hmm. who have had similar experiences to what you have gone through. And hopefully most have, are on their journey of, you know, finding healing or in the process of finding healing. Um what, would you, yeah. Yeah, what are your final thoughts uh, for those who are listening? Well, I believe that God is, is calling us out, that God is calling women and men who have experienced abortion, even if not physically, just through the industry itself, doctors, nurses, um, calling us to speak up, to be the voice for the voiceless. Uh, And he's asking us to do this during these end times because his heart is that he's long suffering. He knows that someday the the faucet of mercy will be turned off and he's long suffering that many will come to repentance. Many will come to know him through repentance, but we've got to shine our light bright. And sometimes shining our light bright may mean that we need to share the dark side of our story. And that's scary sometimes. So the more people that are are able and willing to share their story, the better. The stronger we will be, the the brighter we will be, and we will be able to to you know deliver this message of hope and healing through God. Yeah, and I'd I'd like to echo that the importance of when one person shares, it invites everyone else in that group to feel to feel like it's a safe place for them to share as well. And so I think it's yes. really good for when someone goes first, um, like that's a leadership role that's inviting others to follow in that same really healthy decision of sharing as well with their own yes. story that has, because we all have brokenness. And when someone mm-hmm. shares, we're inviting others to also share. And so it's not just good for the person who's sharing, it's good for those who are hearing. Absolutely. So I would really like to see um, a a pro-life, not so much a pro-life rally. I would like to see men and women who have experienced abortion get together and share their experiences on a major platform. The way we the way we hear the pro-choice people share their point of view on a public platform. I would like to see this on a public platform. I would like for us to make manifest the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and the powers that are in the air, not only through our churches, not only through our small groups, but on a major platform, whether that's through Zoom, whether that's through, you know, meeting in person, Um, But that's what I would like to see happen. I would like to see our voices, those who have healed, those who have come out of the dark and into the marvelous light, to be able to shine that light on a platform. You know, God says, don't hide your light under a basket. Go up to where? Go up to the top of the hill and shine your light. Well, this is the light that I have to shine. So I really would like to see 
us do that. So I want to share, um, this is also tied to Alan Parker. <laughs> and I seem to know his story well, because <laughs> I did a three-hour interview with him about three weeks ago. So all that to say is, okay. <laughs> but he's, yeah, he has several things that are connecting here. And this, this last one is Operation okay. Outcry. So it's operationoutcry.org. And essentially, it's a okay. place for someone to share their pain of abortion in a way that can be submitted to a court to try and say abortion needs to be outlawed because it is hurting those who have experienced it. And and I believe they actually submitted um, uh, affidavits to the Supreme Court during the Dobbs decision because of this outcry, or, you know, Operation Outcry um, collect, collecting of stories. And, and so anyone who has their story, you can submit it to operationoutcry.org and it can be used to influence our country um, in a, mm -hmm. yeah, and essentially, yeah, Alan Parker is such a kind, smart, intelligent. He is so passionate about what he is, you know, serving Jesus. He is, he, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, so I had the pleasure of flying with him on an airplane because we happened to both be taking the same leg of an airplane from one conference to the connecting hub. And so I spent about two hours, maybe two and a half hours with him. You know, he is just always so nice to talk to. And I got that pleasure of sitting next yeah. to him. And it's just, you know, I, I would just like to say that God seems to, you know, provide some really nice opportunities to talk to people sometimes. And I would just like to promote the fact that he is really humbly and kindly, in a very kind and gentle way, being a strong force for the unborn, you know, the, the voice, you know, the Amen. being a voice for the voiceless by collecting stories yeah. of people who have been hurt yeah. so that they can be shared in a way that can be impactful on our country. So, yeah, I just think that's Amen. Really, Amen. really, I don't know why Alan Parker keeps coming up in our conversation here, but everything you're talking well, about, it's, it's draw, it's a back God in. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a God. Oh, that's thing. good. So I certainly that's good. will. I'll reach out. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, um, Denise, would you, um, so when you pray at the end of this podcast, which I'm going to ask you to do, if when you pray, I want you to think when someone listens that we have, we, you know, together, we have the expectation that they will join you and cry out to God with this prayer. Amen. So every time it gets listened to on a podcast, you know, the, the goal, you know, you know, for the person that's listening, our expectation is that you will be praying alongside Denise, just like I am, and that we will together cry out to God X times, you know, the, to the nth time as each person yeah. will join in this prayer, asking for God to bring good things and healing and, and help to our country and friends and family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, well, I certainly can. I certainly can do that. Um, so in, in Psalm uh, 126, Father God, we're, we're told that, um, that although we go out crying, that we will gather our sheaves and come back in joy. And Lord God, I thank you that you are the God of second chances. You are the God that continually draws us near to you. You never grow weary in drawing us to yourself. And Father God, I'm grateful and thankful that you did not give up on me. But yet from, the, from before the foundations of the world, you had a plan. You had a work for, that you prepared for me. And you gave me the grace and the mercy to get to this place now, Lord. And I pray, I pray for other men and women who are hurting, who are sitting in silence and in darkness, that are surrounded by the pain and the shame and the uncertainty of their journey and not knowing where to go, that they would just reach out to you. That they would acknowledge their sin, and that they would feel the overwhelming sense of love and forgiveness 
that only you know how to share. And that they can begin now to walk in newness of life. Lord, I thank you for people like Jacob and uh, for Mr. Parker and probably so many others who are working hard to provide opportunities to share this light, to share your light, to share your love. And I pray, Father God, that we would come together strong, united in you and through you, and that together, Lord, we would just march in victory in this. Lord, just thank you again for allowing me to be a part of this work. And I pray, Lord, for all those who are listening, that they too would just, just trust you. Just trust you, God, to reach out and to take hold of your hand and begin their journey. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.
Our sponsors include Heritage House, Patriot Insurance, and iRapture.com. The Pro-Life Team Podcast is a ministry of iRapture.com. If you would like to explore making a donation or becoming a sponsor or have a recommendation for who would be a good guest on the podcast, please contact us at hello at prolife.team.